This is Wednesday night Bible study with Reverend Mag Perry, the CE director here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church for January the 13th, 2021. We'll start off tonight with Sarah Perry singing Trust in You. Tonight's message will be Jesus the Messiah. Letting go of every single dream, I lay each one down at your feet. Every moment of my wandering never changes what you see. I've tried to win this war, I confess. My hands are weary, I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight. No matter what I face, you're by my side. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers, as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. Truth is you know what tomorrow brings There's not a day ahead you have not seen So in my, my life and breath I want you Lord and there's nothing less When you don't move the mountains I'm needing you to move When you don't part the waters I wish I could walk through When you don't give the answers As I cry out to you I will trust, I will trust I will trust in you I will trust in you You are my strength and comfort You are my steady hand you are my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. Your ways are always higher, your plans are always good. There's not a place where I'll go, you've not already stood. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers, as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. 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 Tonight we'll read our scriptures as we normally do. Again, there's only a few verses, but very, very meaningful verses in uh, getting us started in the last week of Jesus' uh, 
walk here on earth. So look at, uh, looking in uh, chapter 12, starting with uh, verse 12, let's uh, read. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they had heard Jesus was coming to, the Jew, uh, to Jerusalem, um, 13, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And 14, and Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written. And in, in uh, 15, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh sitting on a donkey's coat. Now, if you just read those three verses and you are not, um, have not been studying maybe the Old Testament and the New Testament not truly understanding how this is all going to come together, I'm going to try to do that tonight for us and understand what those three very meaningful prophesied verses means to us. Uh, but first, I, I want to do what I normally do and do a quick review of... Uh, uh, last uh, week, uh, last week we we studied um, the last time that uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, well, let, let's say it this way: Jesus was heading to Jerusalem for the feast, uh, uh, the Passover feast. He knew he what it was going for. He knew exactly it was in his time, but he stopped over and visited his friends. Uh, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And we talked about that last week. Uh, but the, the verses we started at was mainly about uh, Martha in that um, um, Jesus, we started out in verse 7, said, Jesus said, let her alone. Which meaning, if we remember the verse before that, Judas had uh, said, we shouldn't be using this very expensive ointment to uh, rubber fume or perfume to rub Jesus' feet and clean his feet. He's saying we should sell it and help the poor. But as we learned, it was alternative motives there. Judas was really trying to uh, uh, do other things in his selfishness and wanting the money and things like that. But uh, Jesus let him know, loud, you know, she is uh, anointing my feet. She is... You know, I mentioned to you, I, I believe she has a good understanding and now uh, uh, what happened. And, you know, I, I even mentioned that before uh, Jesus uh, stopped in or on the way in, she met him on the road there. She didn't quite understand. She, in fact, the first thing she said is, why did my brother have to die? I believe now after Jesus resurrected Lazarus and after uh, she talked to Jesus and met Jesus, she has a good understanding now of what's going on, as I mentioned last time. She knows that she's preparing Jesus to die. And also, I believe she knows that he's going to be resurrected just like uh, he did for Lazarus. She knew, uh, had, a, had a good understanding of what's going on. And then verse 8 was letting everyone know that we will always have the opportunity. Uh, John's telling us to uh, take care of those in need and bless them. But here on this earth, uh, Jesus was only going to be here a uh, 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 few more days. And that uh, I wanted everybody to understand when Jesus said that, that I'm going to be here um, you know, uh, for a short period of time, it wasn't in any way contradicting what he had told us in his word that he's always going to be with us. It was a whole different meaning or connotation at this time. And what he was saying here was there's always going to be people that we need to uh, bless and there's always going to be people that has needs and, and, and things like that. But um, 
Do not let an opportunity go by when you don't serve, uh, you know, serve at Jesus' feet, when you're not doing something for Him, when you're not blessing Him. And don't let anything substitute being uh, uh, with Jesus is what he was saying. He says, don't let anything get in our way. We should always put Him first, as I mentioned. Jesus first. And then verse 9, many people knew uh, Jesus was there. And they even, uh, the wording was, they went because Jesus was there. They wanted to see the miracle. Everybody knew that the miracle had happened. Uh, John was letting us know in this writing that it was a very important factor, an uh, undeniable fact, and it was a fact that Lazarus had been risen from the dead. He had been dead for four days. So it's in a shockwave uh, through the uh, religious leaders. And they were now, as the scriptures tell us, they were starting to plot to kill Lazarus, which we understand never happened. But because of this miracle, these religious leaders, Pharisees and Sadducees, were getting very, very uh, um, uh, desperate to get rid of this man and get rid of Lazarus, to get rid of Jesus and to get rid of Lazarus. So they knew what was going on there uh, with this miracle. There was no answer for this miracle. They had no way of explaining. They, had, they just could not deny it or even explain it. And that was, they were just fear, had fear in their hearts that they were going to lose their power and their position. Then verse 10 and 11, they, as I said, they began to plot Jesus. They could not deny the testimony of, of, of even plotting to kill Lazarus. And in verse 11, I ended with that saying that it was telling us that because of uh, the evidence of Lazarus was so convincing, uh, many took a faith that day, as that verse told us, that many uh, uh, believed that day and believed in Jesus. And although there was all kinds of sin around them, all kinds of bad things around them, they still believed in Jesus. And I, and I ended by saying some things like, we got things all around us and we can't let that uh, you know, distract us and get our mind off what's going on uh, with what, I, what we should be doing, and that is being at Jesus' feet is kind of the way I, I ended. Also ended with something on my heart that said, you know, something along the lines, Mary gave her best when she worshiped Jesus. The best in her time, the best in everything. Her, her, the very best financial thing she could give, the very best that she could do. She even humbled herself by getting down at His feet. So, those are, the, in, in, to me, very important messages of what Mary did that we should continue today. She gave her best at everything. Now, tonight's Bible study, which I jumped real quickly through that because I'm kind of anxious to get in it. It's maybe a little bit longer than normal. But I, I do want to try to do a, a good job tonight and, and, and ask God to bless me. And y'all whisper a prayer that God blesses me to help teach what's on my heart tonight about these three verses, these three verses are very, very powerful. But first, uh, I, want, I want to say as I go through this and as, as I've been learning uh, a lot about John, uh, all of us um, really need good references. Uh, books that we can read, depend on, that's written by godly people that can help us understand. Uh, I'm not a brilliant person. I'm not a, even a smart person. And I really have been searching and looking and I've found several books. But I want to tell you, about a year ago, I was in class and I was excited when I found out about these books. And it was, and it was, just, it was just about John. And it, th these books, volume 1, 2, and 3, 
takes the entire book of John, and I wish I'd have had it for the other two chapters, uh, the other two, uh, I mean the other 12 uh, chapters, 11 chapters before uh, uh, two weeks ago, but I did order, I finally found this book, and I ordered it, and I want to tell you about it, because it is a powerful book. It takes verse by verse, and it don't just give you a one-liner or a two-liner. It tells you about God's Word from end to end. That if it, they some important prophecies, and, uh, and I want to tell you a little bit about it. And the credentials that come behind this book is what convinced me that, uh, you know, as you know, I haven't shared any books. I, I got some books and some books that helped me but this is one that really I can recommend to everybody because it is absolutely unequivocally the Word of God and is written by I know without any doubt. So let me tell you how I know that. It is first written by a Pentecostal holiness preacher. Help him. <laughs> yeah, and, and Jerry, you may or may not know him because if I understand reading uh, the front end of the book and the back of the book, and getting started in the book, Dr. Frank G. Tunstall, T-U-N-S-T-A-L, and this is where I thought you may know him. He, is, he was the pastor of Shiloh Pentecost Holiness Church in Wilson really early in his days. I see a head shaking. Somebody may know him. But this is what helped me also say, oh, yeah. Did, you know, and when, then when I started reading it, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. He was also a bishop in Heartland, at the Heartland Conference, but he's all of his life. He's still today a part of the PH, been in everything you can imagine. But this also is a, a confirmation. By the way, the title of Volume 1, 2, and 3 is Jesus, Son of God. And now there may be some more words in each one. I'm, I'm, I'm presently in Volume, the, the volume I just got is Volume 3. But in the front of the book, there is people that are recommending the book, that is ordaining the book, and, and whatever the word is may be. Let me tell you who, and they wrote some things that will touch your heart about this book as they read it. And two or three of them are dear and dear to my heart, and I, and I think a great deal of, uh, of them. First of all, the International Pentecost Holiness Church Bishop, uh, uh, A.D. Bicham, um, um, what is the word when they... Um, say that they, they authorize this book or they whatever. Anyway, it's, it's, they, they recommend it. Bishop James Leggett wrote some arguments. He's now the president of, of Bibles. What's that? Yeah, endorsement. Maybe that's the word I'm looking. Yeah, I think so. But anyway, pre, uh, James Leggett is president of Home Bible College. Bishop, we know him well. Chris Thompson wrote a wonderful Front, uh, a couple paragraphs. And then my favorite bishop of all is called when I got really close to Bishop Jimmy Whitfield of the North Carolina Conference and, and Bishop T.L. Longwood, which some of you uh, that were here 26 years ago know that he's the one that came in and talked to us about joining the Pentecostal Holiness uh, denomination. And that's when we became an affiliate of the International Pentecostal Holiness uh, Denomination, and that was uh, T.L. Longwood, and at the time, uh, also, uh, Chris Thompson was the missionary or assistant director. But th these three volumes 
are wonderful. I recommend them. If you need more information, but you can find them on uh, Amazon. You can now. It's a, it's a book that was published in, I think, seven, 2017 or 18. But I highly recommend it. It's only 30 um, to $45. It's not a book that you're going to read to try to, you know, hear some long story about or some book uh, that people read today that they sit down and read. read. But this, this is a book that is a reference book, as I call it, starting with the very first uh, 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 verse. And, it, and it's, it took three volumes just for those 21 chapters of John. And it's pretty good-sized books, but it will excite you when you start reading it. And some of the things I'm sharing with you tonight just came right out in the beginning and started touching my heart and helping me understand the bigger picture of what we're studying in this last week of Jesus Christ. And I tell you, you'll get excited. And like I said, if you need call me or text me, I'll give you all the information I have on that. But uh, uh, let's starting tonight with our Bible study. Uh, I, I, this week, uh, this last week, as I've named it, uh, Passion Week, and also I've noticed that the word passion comes out a lot in, uh, in Dr. Frank uh, Tungstall's uh, uh, book uh, in this Passion Week. And um, uh, Jesus' great love, his great forgiveness, he is not only uh, uh, you know, in his actions, but it's confirmed in many ways throughout the Bible. Truly, uh, Jesus truly sets the example for us, and I want to try to emphasize that through these uh, last 10 chapters. And Jesus proves he not only loves us, but he changes our heart to love others. And uh, uh, Jesus, as I've said many times, he had actions as well as words. So as we start our Bible study tonight, I wanted to share some thoughts that touched my heart about the writings of John and the writings of Matthew, Mark, and Luke that support also what we're studying I have heard in my life, and uh, I actually just recently uh, got a question along these lines, is there's, there's people that, um, when they look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke's uh, interpretation or version, as well as John's, they see what they think is discrepancies, things that are different. But you know what? They aren't different. They are not different. They're all presenting the facts and events, but they're looking at it from a different perspective that I'm about to try to help us understand. Um, the prophecy, in, and also tonight I'll be talking about prophecies that's coming from Zechariah and also the book of Psalms from David. And uh, these prophecies and these wordings will help us understand some of the wording that John is using now. Um, so it'll help us understand why the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, even though it may seem like they differ in some way, it's just their viewpoints are a little bit different. They word it differently. You know, I want to say uh, that, that helped me is this put it, got put into my heart from my school days and from my teaching days and other things is that I right now could ask 10 or 15 people to write me a one-page report on one, the same subject. The same subject. We can pick any subject. And I guarantee you, I will get 10 viewpoints, but I will still get the information 
that I'm looking for about that one subject. Did that make sense to you? About that one subject. Even though you will probably state it uh, differently, word it differently. In fact, the great thing about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they had a little something that a lot of these writers today didn't have. I believe this guy that wrote this book had it. And that is they were led by the Holy Spirit, which made it even more consistent. People try to tear the Bible apart. When they really study the Bible and, and get the right information, and, 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 and I actually pray a lot, and pray a lot and read a lot, and help, ask God to help you a lot, God will let you seek in on what is the truth. What is the truth? Although there's a whole lot of things out there that's trying to tear down the truth. When you read it, uh, you'll know and understand. And, and tonight, hopefully, I'm going to help us a little bit. But there is evidence, and it proves us, that all the Gospels were written by men of God that was led by the Holy Spirit. No doubt, it, there's no doubt in my mind. And I'm going to refer to some of those tonight also, reference some of them. First of all, let's, let's look at it just like some of us may look at it. Some information that you may not know about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They are considered synoptic evangelists. If you don't want to know what that means, that means they wrote from a common or a similar type of viewpoint. In other words, they looked at the, the Bible, the whole, I mean, they looked at the whole life of Jesus and they tried to look at everything and put it into uh, a similar wording and led by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I'm making sense to you or not, but they looked at it as an evangelistic synoptic. In other words, the whole thing. For example, look at it this way. This will narrow it down a little bit more for you. Luke wrote, and his goal in writing, it, and this is coming from somebody a whole lot smarter than me, is from the perspective of Jesus was king of the Jews. He was the Messiah. He was coming from that standpoint or that viewpoint. And then when you look at Mark, Mark wrote it and looked at it as Jesus was a servant, a humble, loving, forgiving, willing to do anything type of servant. But although, remember, all of them knew that he was the Son of God, he was Jesus and all that. Luke presents it from his style, I'm, I'm trying to find the words, that Jesus was the Son of Man. In fact, when you read Mark, you, you, he uses the term Son of Man. And what that really means is the Savior of men. In my heart, that's what it means. He is the Savior of the world. And these three apostles are, apostles are trying to present to us the full summation of Jesus, Jesus' ministry. Without any doubt, I want to reemphasize, they all wrote it from the facts and that were true about Jesus and also they were led by the Holy Spirit. Now, to get into John tonight, he did look at it a little bit different. And as, you, as I've, I said a long time ago when I said I started John, I like, without all the understanding, and still not, I don't have all the understanding, I have a lot more understanding than I had back then. I, in my heart, knew he was coming from a, uh, I, I even think I mentioned that, I think he, he, his message is more for the church. It gives us the detail. It gives us a, uh, you know, a lot more information about who Jesus really is to help 
us spread the gospel, to help us teach the word. Well, I won't far off base. L listen to what uh, Tungsdale sa says. He says that Jesus focuses on the actual events and the details of those events, and he proves what his whole intent is, is to prove who Jesus Christ is based on those events. And you know, here's some examples. Here's some examples you find in John. First of all, the seven miracles, all specifically in detail, told by John. The, and the one we just come out of, Lazarus' resurrection, the lame, the 5,000, all that got fed. Think about it. John specifically talked about those in detail. And then the seven discourses that... Uh, examples of Jesus' teaching is what discourses mean. You know, for example, uh, when I think about the teaching, one of the teachings that comes out of my mind is Nicodemus. You know, this is where Jesus was really trying to help him understand what salvation was, what a new birth was, which in my heart uh, is a specific, is John saying to us that Jesus is trying to tell us there's a new birth. There is a new heart. There's a new beginning. We do get a new life. When you really Put that all together. So the seven discourses. And then when I uh, uh, also think about the seven I am's that John tells us about, uh, that Jesus specifically said, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate, I'm the good shepherd, and on and on. So John looks at it from a perspective of, uh, you know, he's proving who Jesus Christ is by all the events and the details of events. John 20 and 31, if you will read ahead, this is what John says, and I'm sure this is why parts of what he's uh, saying to us is coming from this. This is what John says. These are written that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have the life in His name. That's what John is saying he's, he's doing to for us is what he's trying to help us do. So one of the things that touched my heart as I'm reading this, it confirmed with me, I've always felt this way. I've always told a new convert, if, if someone uh, that I know has just been uh, saved or someone's going through a trial or someone uh, needs help uh, from God, I have always recommended Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read that first, especially as a new convert. But now I'm narrowing it down even more. I'm saying all the books of the Bible are very, very important. They all will help you. But as a new convert, or you're going through a trial and you won't know, you feel like somebody don't love you, read John. Read the book of John. John will help us in that respect. I'm not saying all the rest of the books are not inspired. They are. They're very inspiring. And, but John will help clarify to us in detail what we need. When I look at the first, now I'll move into our Bible study for tonight, verse 12. The next day, much people is the word John used, which when you convert that from uh, Greek to, to uh, English, it, it can be interpreted, it means great crowd. It means a great crowd had come to that feast to hear to, uh, they heard that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem. Now, first, I want to I want to take that in two parts. First, I, I, first, I want to talk about Jesus on the way to to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to talk about the great crowd and some things that were prophesied that happened in the next couple of verses. But first, let's take uh, you know 
Uh, I don't know if you've ever been asked, I don't know if I've ever been asked this or not, but I know people may wonder in their heart, why, why did Jesus return to Jerusalem knowing he was going to be killed? Why did Jerusalem, why, why did he go back? John tells us why. John tells us why. There's three reasons. Not specifically in these verses tonight, but I want to uh, uh, reemphasize what we've already learned and we'll be learning. First, as I've said many times, it was his time. That's why he's returning at this time. The, fee, uh, the, feast, the Passover feast that was going over on. And it was his father's will, which was more important, knowing he would die. Uh, Mark 10, 32 through 34, Jesus explains, Mark writes down, um, explains to his disciples, Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples, and this is why he says he's going back to Jerusalem. He stated we're going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man, which is Jesus, will be betrayed to the chief priest and the teachers of the law. So all the religious leaders. They will condemn him to death. Now you'll find this in Mark 10, 34. They will condemn him to death and then hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, hallelujah, beat him, kill him, and he's describing this, hallelujah, to his disciples. And he told them, three days later, I will rise. Hallelujah. Three days later. So based on the scriptures, well, we read a little bit ahead when we get there here in the next uh, uh, couple Bible studies, we'll find his disciples didn't quite understand all Jesus was telling them, but that's what Jesus told them. The second reason he was entering into Jerusalem hallelujah, is because he was fulfilling the scriptures that was prophesied by his father. He was on a plan. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He was fulfilling his God's, uh, his father's will, as same as the early prophets, and I'll reference some of those here in a minute. And the third reason why he returned to Jerusalem was he was presenting himself as the Passover lamb, the great sacrifice, he was, you know, he was going to uh, die for the sins of the world. He's presenting himself as the king, as the one that truly loves us, the one that forgives us, the ultimate sacrifice, and he knew that. So John uses the word, the second part of that scripture, great crowd. He uses the term great crowd. From what I uh, have read and understand, that Passover feast, there was maybe 200,000 or more people that was at that feast for those uh, few days. Many of them, the scriptures tells us, uh, as I'm about to read, lined the roads and witnessed this historic event. Jesus presented himself as, uh, as it, uh, Israel's Messiah, the Son of God, and Jesus, the one who came to save Israel. And it tells us that in John 1 and 4, if you go back to John chapter 1, verse 4, verse 29, and also in chapter 3, 16 and 17, and there's many, many more. So let's see what 12 and 13 is kind of the heart of some of the things I want to say tonight. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. These are my words, but you can, I just read the scripture, so it's saying the same thing. Shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he, the king of Israel. This spontaneous nature, this parade-like thing that was happened, happened 
or was prophesied in three great prophecies. First, I want to talk about those three great prophecies. First one was in Psalms, chapter 118, written by David. The psalmist predicted the exact language that the people would be saying 1,000 years later in these two verses. And one of them was, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. These scriptures in John, John 12 and 13 tells us a large crowd had assembled to recognize Jesus as the Savior of the world. That's why the whole intent was there. Listen to what they did. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem was lively, was spirited. In other words, they were excited. There was a lot of shouting, a lot of praising, a lot of things going on. And uh, shouting out Hosanna, and I'll talk about that in a minute. All four Gospels talk about uh, tells us, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, tells us about this entry into Jerusalem. Mark 11 and 8 tells us that the people laid down on the road palm trees, a palm leaf. Let me read that to you. Let me read that to you. That was my intent. In Mark 11 and 8. And many spread their garments on the way, and others cut down branches off the garments, meaning their coats. And others, um, and others cut down branches off the tree and straw, uh, strove them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of the father of David. So Mark is... If, if you read just that or you just read what's in John, sometimes you may think there's a difference, but there's no difference there. It's exactly what was prophesied. They were shouting Hosanna. The word translated uh, from uh, Greek to English uh, comes from a word Hosanna, which is H-O-O-S-A-N-N-A. And it's a prayer that the Jews use saying, save us, save us. Save us, as they were shouting, Hosanna. The crowd obviously knew, as in their excitement, in their joy, that this was the King of the Jews, that Jesus was the Christ, the Savior, the forgiver of sin. He comes from God. He comes as King of Israel. And then when we look at verses 14 and 15, Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. And as it is written... Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. I mentioned three prophecies. The second prophecy that I want to mention to you tonight comes from Zechariah 1, chapter 1 and 16, and Zechariah chapter 4, 6 and 7. Zechariah also foretold about 70 years earlier the details of the Messiah's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And, uh, just, uh, you know, and he, he prophesied this way before it happened. Jesus fulfilled these prophecies exactly as stated in, in Zechariah. A spontaneous parade, re, and what his wordings was, rejoice greatly as they were rejoicing. Oh, and the words, same words, O oh, daughter of Zion, daughter of uh, Jerusalem, see, 
Your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, specifically a foal or a young, very young donkey. God's prophecy again being fulfilled. God, as I mentioned several weeks ago, all God's prophecies have come forth that are, are, are prophesied with even as we enter the end times, these things are being, they were prophesied many years ago. Now, as I'm ending tonight, and I debated where to end at, because the third prophecy is very detailed. It comes from Jesus about his entry. Uh, we will study them next week. There's 11 facts or events that had to happen before what Jesus uh, what this uh, parade or entry, this uh, spontaneous, wonderful, glorious entry, this third prophecy, I can tell you where you'll find it. You'll find it interestingly enough in Luke 19, 28 through 21. You'll find it in Mark 11, 6 through 10. And you'll find it in Matthew 21, 1 through 3. You'll find what Jesus prophesied had to happen before he entered into Jerusalem. As I end tonight, we're studying, again, the last week of Jesus' life. He rides into Jerusalem on a donkey's coat as prophesied, as a king, as the Messiah, as the Son of God. And Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. He knows he's presenting himself as the Son of God. But what a great sacrifice for me that touches my heart. You know, I think about it. It's humorous sometimes what I think about. I said, Lord, I don't believe I can go to Smithfield if I knew somebody was going to kill me. Think about that. You know, it's simple, but that little things like that touch my heart. Jesus knew he was sacrificing. That's the love he had for us. What a great love. What a great passion that he had. A desire to love us, forgive us, and, and help us to have eternal life with Him. What a great love. What a great love He had. And what a great forgiveness. The first thing He wants to do is clean us up. Isn't that wonderful? The first thing He wants to do is forgive us and clean us up so we can move forward in His light and His love and bless others in His love and in His passion. What a wonderful, wonderful Jesus and what a wonderful God we serve. Hallelujah. Would you stand up? But tonight I just feel on my heart to, uh, to end with a, with a prayer. When I think about God and how much He loves us, and I am so excited now about continuing to last Him more and more. I just hope I can get it out and say it the way God wants me to say it. Y'all pray for me because there's a, there's a lot. There's a lot that, that He's pulling together for me and helping me to understand His Word that I want to share. That's what Bible learning and Bible teaching is all about, is learning how much God loves us and, and how it's all going to come together, how it's all going to come together. And I'll tell you something that's on my heart again. I taught it many years ago. But there's something else that they two things that's needed in my heart. And I, even Pastor Jerry has, has and I talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit as one of the needs of this, of, this, uh, of this world today. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
That's, that's first and what foremost in my mind. And, I, and I'm thinking about that and, and asking God to help me with that. And I know preacher will be doing something on that because I know that's on his heart. But another thing that I taught four or five years ago was the Rev, book of Revelations. It is getting on my heart heavily again that it is needed. It is desperately needed what God is planning and how the events is going to happen. But thanks good, thank goodness only a part of the book of Revelations and that is the beginning where, you know, we're going to be home with Jesus and we don't have to worry about it. But we want, to, want everybody to understand what God is telling us in His plan and what he's, what's going to happen. So I may take that on a challenge. I'll wait and see how that goes. Y'all be praying with me. But right now, my heart is on the next 10 chapters uh, of John and we'll just go from there. God bless you. Bless someone this week. Call someone and tell them you love them. I've been working really hard to last and, and talk to many of you and getting updated addresses, phone numbers, and I'm, I'm about to... In fact, Sunday, I'll have it ready. There's only two phone numbers I couldn't get uh, and, and don't know how to get, and I will find a way because I've, I've sent letters because I do have the address, but I'm trying to figure out a way to get uh, phone numbers. And, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and give you that directory because it's on my heart. Everybody on there needs to be touched. We need to touch each other and love each other. And there's people we haven't seen in a while. I just want people to call them and love them and touch them and let them encourage them, strengthen them. And that's the whole intent of this. This, this director, I've asked God to anoint it. I've asked God to bless it. That as soon as people put it in their hands, they want to go call somebody from that directory. And I, I pray, pray with me that, that that is what God does because I believe in it. I believe He's going to do it. And we're going to be touching each other, building us up. And we've said so many times, our pastor said one, so many times, how we unite together is how we love each other. That's how we unite together. And we must not only show it, but we must do it in action. Thank God for each one of you that's here tonight. Thank you for being here. And let's be dismissed tonight. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, dear Jesus, for your love for us. Lord, thank you for the many times you've blessed us, touched touch all of us, Lord. We thank you for this Bible study, dear Father. Lord, encourage us, strengthen us, Lord, to open up your word, to study your word, to learn more about your word, Lord. Teach me, Lord. Open up my heart that I may touch other people, dear Father, and then they can go out and touch others, Lord. Touch your church, the Pine Level Church, and all the rest of the churches, Lord. Bless us, Lord, that we become that very shining light that reaches this world that really needs us, Lord. Help us to have the strength, Lord, the courage, and the Holy Spirit that guides us and lengthen, uh, strengthen us, Lord, that we can go forward and do your work and will, Lord, that we reach the lost, reach those that need encouragement, Lord, reach those that, dear Father, have needs, Lord, be with us, Lord, touch the ministries of the Pine Level Church, Lord, bless our ministries that they become outreach centers for all those, dear Father, that are in need, Lord, Lord, let us be that, dear Father, that you want us to be, that love, that passion, Father, that we can have for each other, and we can only have it through your name and in your glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Be with us now as we go forward, Lord. Lord, and bless those that's in need, Lord. A special touch for Brother William Cat tonight, Lord, and we thank you for that. Lord, we're believing that you're going to touch him tonight, Lord. We're believing that in your wonderful, sweet name. Amen.
And amen. Thank you, dear Jesus. God bless you. You've been watching the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, a church you can call home with people you can call family. The Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church is located on 112 East Blanche Street. We welcome you to come and join us in worship every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., every Sunday night at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget, if you can't join us in person, you can always join us via the internet through the website at pinelevelphc.org. You can watch our services, check out upcoming events, and lots more there at the website. You can also check out our app through Google Play or iOS App Store. Download the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church app. It's free to use, free to download. You can watch our services live or on demand. Check out other things about the church, even donate to the church through the link. If you have a Facebook account, go to facebook.com forward slash PHC. Get notifications when we go live. Check out pictures and other upcoming events about our church. Just like our Facebook page. That's all you have to do. Also, YouTube is available for the YouTube subscribers. Search YouTube for Pine Level PH Church. Subscribe to our channel. Get notifications when we go live. You watch our services live or on demand. Don't forget, if you can't watch us, maybe you want to listen. Search for our podcast through your favorite podcast provider and listen to the services anywhere in the world. Don't forget about our new radio station. Go to our website or app for the quick link. And you can also just simply type in pinelevelphc.org forward slash radio. Radio stations playing good gospel music 24-7. Also, lots other programming is available for your enjoyment. So if you want to check that out, do so anytime and listen with friends around the world. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. We hope to see you soon here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church.